Well, hello, CMYK community, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and as always, if you're just jumping in for the first time, welcome. So glad, honored that you would choose to listen in for the next few minutes on on these thoughts and ideas uh, that we are wrestling through together as a community. Our goal, our point for all of this in this podcast and as a community is that we would grow towards wholeness as individuals and that we would be creating a more beautiful world because of how we're choosing to interact with the world and people and stuff, the divine in and around us. So thanks for being a part of this. And today, we're actually launching a new series that we're simply entitling Capitalism, A Story of Love and or Hate. And for some of you, uh, hearing that we're talking about capitalism, first and foremost, it's been interesting because uh, in some ways, this is a really controversial topic to talk about and to wrestle with is uh, is is capitalism the most beautiful way forward, or is there something potentially different out there? That can be a controversial thing. And secondly, uh, this can be an interesting series because for some, it's like, why are you talking about capitalism? This is not why I listen in uh, to CMYK. This is not why you know I'm a part of this thing. Because at, at its most basic level, capitalism is defined as this. It's an economic and political system in which a country's trade and industry are controlled by private owners for profit rather than by the states or by the government. And this is not a necessarily politically driven community. It's not a political podcast. This isn't a podcast dealing with government and politics. It's not a a podcast that deals with economics or business practices. Uh, That's not necessarily what we talk about all the time. So why would we talk about capitalism? And so today, simply what I want to do with this first talk is to try and structure and and bring some understanding to why I think it's important that we talk about this. We wrestle wrestle with it as a community. And then over the next few weeks, uh, to continue to dive deeper and talk about it on some different levels. But for today, I think we need to kind of come to this base understanding, and it's this, that capitalism is a belief system. It's a choice for what we believe about the world, not just money, not just marketplace, not just politics, but capitalism actually is a belief system that we choose to lean into or not that influences how we see ourselves and how we see the world around us. So it's an important thing that we actually wrestle with and ask, is this the most beautiful way forward? Is this the most beautiful belief to hold and practice to have for our lives? Just like we do when it comes to the concept of Christianity or any other belief system. When I was a kid, you might know this already, I grew up in a Christian household. And part of growing up in a Christian household was that there was only one kind of music that was really allowed in many ways, and that was Christian music. And I grew up loving music, loving and getting into artists and what they were bringing to the table, the the musicianship, and particularly as a guitar player, as I started to learn how to play guitar, I fell in love with different, uh, you know, guitar styles and playing. And I would find myself uh, in conversations with friends at school. And we'd be talking about, you know, what's your favorite guitar player? What's your favorite music that you're listening to? And in in the mid-90s, early to mid-90s, there was this, you know, kind of wave of acoustic guitar rock that was a part of the scene. And so everybody would be talking about their favorite artist. And I would always bring to the table this guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman. And I really believed, listening to Christian music, that it didn't get any better than Stephen Curtis Chapman. The guy just, he would create these acoustic guitar lists 
licks. And so we'd be <laughs> we'd be standing in this circle at school and I'd be talking about, oh, have you guys heard Stephen Curtis Chapman? And as you can probably understand, <laughs> there were a lot of people, a lot of my friends that would look at me like, who are you talking about, Matt? Nobody's heard of this guy. Or as someone that wanted to expand my musical taste, you know, rap and hip hop was increasingly becoming more and more of a thing in the early 90s. And so I would talk about this guy, this, this, this rapper named T-Bone, because as a Christian artist, I just thought it didn't get any better than T-Bone. The guy was street. The guy was thug. And everybody, again, would kind of look at me like, really? Like, that? who is this guy that you're talking about? Or maybe rock and roll, you know, that angsty and just melt your face kind of music. I would talk about this band named Petra because they were as rockin' as it got. They were as melt your face as it got. You got to check out Petra. And that was my world. I believed that they were the best of the best. It didn't get any more beautiful or resonant than those kinds of artists. And it wasn't until high school, honestly, even late high school for some of these, that I woke up to something. I remember the first time I heard of this band called the Dave Matthews Band. And where acoustic rock and those kind of groove-centric songs were a big part of culture at the time, I heard the Dave Matthews Band, and there was something so beautiful and resonant. And I remember hearing it for the first time and thinking, oh, this is a thing? <laughs> like, there's music like this out there? I thought it didn't get any better than Stephen Curtis Chapman. And not to say anything against him, but I experienced the Dave Matthews Band, and there was something that was so much more true and honest and authentic as a musician that I was experiencing that I thought, this is where it's at. Or when it came to T-Bone, I thought that's as best as you get when it comes to rap, and I started hanging out with different people, and particularly my wife, Kate, started to introduce me to different rappers like Jay-Z or Lauren Hill, the Fuji's, these kinds of artists, hip hop and rap. And I began to think like, oh, like T-Bone actually wants to be like these guys. Cause these are, these are people that are actually at the top of the game, their game and the game in general, when it comes to rap and hip hop. Or I remember when I was in high school driving around in my friend's car and for the very first time put on this song called Enter Sandman by Metallica. And here was this rock song that felt like it was not only melting my face, but it was melting my heart as well. There was something so raw and good about this that while Petra was a thing, yes, Metallica, they just knew how to do it on a completely different level. What I had to understand was that I had grown up in this bubble of Christian music, thinking that it didn't get any better than that. And what it took me was kind of picking my head up and looking outside of what I'd experienced to see that there was actually other things out there that were potentially more resonant, more beautiful, a better representation of music in many ways that I had to be honest and say, oh, this is actually a more beautiful representation of music and what I'm going for. And I like this. You see, the reality is capitalism is something that all of us, if you grew up in the United States of America, we've grown up in. And being an American, part of that is learning to celebrate and be excited about and to believe that capitalism is the best way forward, that it doesn't get any better than the capitalistic structure and market and lifestyle that we have here in the United States of America. And the potential is to be just like Matt Blakesley in high school to think that because this is what we've grown up in and this is all we've experienced, to potentially believe that it doesn't get any better than this. This is as good as it gets. And the reason I think we need to talk about this and understand that capitalism is a belief system is because potentially 
there is something better out there. There's something different out there. And I know for many, this is a, again, it's an incredibly controversial statement and concept to bring up and talk about when it comes to capitalism, but that we as a community, we as individuals would maybe ask the question, okay, while we grew up in this, and while many of us, we don't even understand how much capitalism influences our lives and who we are. Again, we're going to talk about it for the next few weeks, that we would be willing to ask the question, is there something better or different out there? Have I been listening to T-Bone when maybe Jay-Z is actually something better that we'd be willing to go there and to talk about it? And so today, to kind of do, take a lot of information and to try and kind of group it together to talk about, okay, what are the major concepts? What are the major tenets of belief when it comes to capitalism? What are the ch- things that we, that you and I have, have kind of grown up in and we continue to choose to believe are the best way forward? And maybe we don't even think or realize that we're leaning into these things as much as we are, that we believe these things as much as we do. What are these tenets and beliefs of capitalism? Well, first and foremost, I think capitalism is a belief that individuals are free to choose to maximize their gain. Individuals are free to choose to maximize their gain. Now, this is a good thing in some ways, because with it comes stories of someone who was on the bottom that was able to pick up themselves by their bootstraps and make something of their life, that they had nothing. And because of their individual freedom to choose to maximize gain for themselves, they were able to see profits and income and be able to, you know, have more things and stuff and security financially, these kinds of things. There are stories out there all over the place because of capitalism and our belief in this concept. Yes, this is a good thing in some ways. And with it comes the, uh, this idea that the individual is king, that the individual, me, you, you come first. And so the concept of capitalism is driven by this belief, belief that you take care of yourself first. You do everything you can to take care of yourself first. And then maybe if you want to, at some point when you have enough, whenever that point comes, that you can turn and, and give to other organizations or people around you. Okay, it's a good concept and idea. But what we know and what we see within capitalism, because this is such a strong belief, that businesses, first and foremost, are in business to make money. There's these ideas of if you're not growing, you're dying as a business because you always must first and foremost maximize your gain and your interest in things. That there are businesses that give away lots of money and are, and are very socially minded trying to help out those around them. Yes, but at the end of the day, if the business is not growing, you have shareholders, you have boards and directors, you have people that have invested in the business that will say, you need to stop being so generous because you need to maximize your gain and profit first because you come first. Individual is king. I mean, many of us remember this growing up when we were thinking about, and maybe you're still in this place, you're thinking about what you want to do with your life. At the back of our brain, or maybe in the very forefront of your brain, is the question of, well, what am I going to do, and how is that going to best maximize my gain? I want to do something that's going to make me the most money in life. That there's a pressure to decide to do something with your life that's going to increase your profits the most. That's the choice that you're making when it comes to what you do with your life. It's a belief that we hold. Take care of yourself first. You have this freedom and choice, but make sure that you're maximizing your gain first. The second belief or tenet I would say of capitalism is that desire is insatiable. And that's a good thing. 
that you have this desire, this drive for more as a human being, and that that is a good thing. And with that means that no matter how much you have, your job or your drive is to get more and more and more, to produce more, to create more, to own more, better, different, faster, shinier, whatever it is, that whatever you hold and wherever you are in life, you want to see more out of it. And again, there can be something good here because in that we have stories through capitalism and this belief that you have someone like a Henry Ford who looked at a, you know, a country that was driven by horses in many ways and decided to say, we don't need just a faster horse. We need to see a car in everyone's garage. There's a better, more driven way to see our lives fueled. Or many of you might remember in the 90s, there was this thing happening culturally that we were just uh, taking phones because we'd done everything we could with phones, it felt like, and we were just putting phones into different shapes. So you had like the football phone and the duck phone. (laughs) I don't know if you remember those at all, but they were a thing. And so someone said, no, we've got to get more out of a phone. And so someone invented the cell phone. And then someone wanted more out of the cell phone, so it became the smartphone. And then someone wanted more out of the smartphone, it became the iPhone and where we are today. That there's this insatiable desire and drive for more and more and more. And in that, we are creating all of these different things. This capitalism drives us for more, and that is actually something that's celebrated in our culture. That someone that is driven in this way they're creative, they're aggressive, they're just they're entrepreneurial, they're passionate, they're a good businessman or woman. This is a good thing. It's a it's a belief that we have in capitalism. The third belief or tenet of capitalism is that competition is king. Competition at its most basic level is simply a ranking of things, that you compete to find out where you land in the ranking. Am I first? Am I second? Am I in the middle of the pack? Am I at the bottom of the barrel? Where do I land when it comes to competition? And in capitalism, there's this belief that this competition is a good thing, that you would strive to always find yourself where you rank in things. And with that, we all understand and know, before you ever listen to this podcast, you know where you rank on certain levels in the world. That I would say the words upper class, middle class, lower class, and you would already have a category where you would put your life because our lives are driven by this competition. Where do I fit? There are people that are rich. There are people that are poor. You know how you rank in life. Many of us know what it's like to look in the mirror and see our body shape and to understand how do I fit in the rankings of body shape, athleticism. How do I rank when it comes to my house and the car that I drive? This competition is king. But what's fascinating is that this belief doesn't just influence the way we see ourselves and maybe the stuff around us, but it influences actually every interaction and relationship we have within our lives. I I, I love the way Daniel Bell puts it in his book, The Economy of Desire. He says this, what is he worth? It's a question that reflects the power of capitalism to reduce the human to a thing, to a monetary equivalent, to human capital, and consequently subsume us in a network of relations that are coldly calculating, superficial, and transient. That this competition is king belief, this idea that we would rank ourselves within the world, is something that actually has influenced how we see everyone and everything, that everything has a value. Everything has a commodity to it. 
My, even my hair has a ranking and a commodity to it that I understand when I look in the mirror. Is this a good hair day? Is it a bad hair day? Is this a, a cool hairstyle and trend? Or is it something that's a little off that's kind of goofy and bad? Is my hair going? You know, those kinds of things. Everything has a value. And what we believe within this tenet of competition is king that winning within this competition within our culture, winning in capitalism actually makes you more valuable as a person. So I could say that someone is a businessman, or I could even say someone is a top level executive at a large company. And there's a value that you bring to that person immediately. You think, you, you know nothing about what they actually think, how they speak, what their education level is, how smart or brilliant or kind they are on any level. But because they're a top executive at a large business, there's this part of you that goes, oh, they probably have a lot of money. They're probably really good with money and they're probably really smart. Those are things we just naturally bring to these people because of our belief in capitalism. Or I could reverse it and say, someone is an artist. <laughs> and there's this part of us that goes, oh, they probably need a snack. We should probably like pass the plate and get them some, some money for food and shelter because they're just an artist. We have a ranking for who and where they fit into society. And what's fascinating to me about this competition in ranking is that it's this game that we're all in on and playing. Like you could take a t-shirt from Target, which is let's say about $8. You could buy a t-shirt from Target for $8. And we've decided as a culture that this is worth, the value of it is $8. And you could go online or go to another store and you could find a very similar t-shirt with the word Gucci printed across it. And you would find yourself paying close to $200 for this t-shirt. Incredibly similar design. They're made by very similar materials, made in the very similar fashion, and in some cases made in the same factory. But we as a culture have decided that Gucci is winning the competition. And so they actually, their t-shirts are worth more than the Target t-shirt. It's a game that we're all in on and we're all playing. Competition is king. And so it's a belief that we must compete and we must see our lives and the things around us have higher and higher value and higher and higher rankings that we are winning if we are continually moving up the ranking. So these are the beliefs of capitalism, that individuals are free to choose to maximize their interests and gains, that desire is insatiable and that this is a good thing and competition is king. So the question, again, do you believe that this is the most beautiful way forward for your life? Do you believe this is the most beautiful way forward for our culture and the world around us? And maybe you do. Maybe there's a part of you that leans into that and goes, yes, 110%, yes. But what I find fascinating is that while we as Americans like to say in many ways, whether you disagree with it or not, I think you'll understand that we are a Christian nation the question is, how does these beliefs of capitalism line up with the beliefs or the tenets of Christianity, the teachings of Christ? And here's what I find fascinating. Where capitalism would say that there's this belief that individuals are free to choose to maximize their gain, Christianity, Christ, would say that individuals are free to choose to maximize others. Our whole belief 
statement of belief around who the person of Jesus Christ was, was someone who came to sacrifice himself for the sake of others. Even this meal of communion, this bread broken, this cup shared, is a physical testament to this belief that Christ broke himself open and poured himself out for the suffering of those around him. And that we, in sharing in this communion, in sharing in this belief, that we would see the same to be true for our lives. In fact, the first early writers, early followers of Christ would say it like this in the letter of Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says this, that there is this belief that if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy, the writer says, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Essentially, that's a really long sentence that the writer's just simply saying, this is something we all need to be on the same page of. This is all something we need to be of one mind and spirit of, that this is what we're about. So what is it? Verse three, he says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So while there's this belief that individuals are free to choose, this is true of capitalism, and I think this is true of Christianity as well. You're free to choose who you're going to be and what you're going to do with your life. That the choice of Christianity is to maximize others, not just your own interest and gain first. It's flipping the, the, everything over on its head, where capitalism is about take care of yourself first, and then when you're ready, you can start to care for or you can start to give to those around you. Christianity says, no, first you care for and give to those around you, and it's in that that you find new life. The story of Christ, he gave himself up, gave his life, and in that was found resurrection or new life, that we join in this same belief that we give first, and it's in that work that we find resurrection and new life. Where capitalism would say that desire is insatiable, and that's a good thing, what we see within the scriptures, what we see within Christianity, is that desire is insatiable, so stop trying. (laughs) Where this drive and desire can be good because we create a lot of good things out of it, yes, what we find and what we know is that this drive can actually be one of the most destructive forces upon the human life because you're never done and you're never there and you never, if you're honest, in your heart have enough. You always want more and more and more. And on top of that, you never really get to stop and enjoy where you are or what you have because there's always something more to attain and go after. It's a picture that someone gave me. It's, it's like this uh, capitalism is this idea of an escalator, that you get on this escalator and you're going to ride it to the top and you're going to naturally find yourself at this place because of your drive and desire where you go, okay, I have enough and I'm good, and, you're gonna, and you're, you've found the top, you've gotten there. The truth is, if we're honest, desire is insatiable. So what we actually see and know historically, what we actually see and know probably in your own life is that we get on this escalator going after more and more and more. And what we find is there's no top to this thing. And we continue to spend day after day after day going after more and more and more and more. And there's no natural point or place where we step off of the escalator. And what Christianity is in its most 
base level in some ways is an invitation to say, okay, just get off the escalator because there's no top. So yes, desire is insatiable, but stop trying. I mean, even if we look at history, it's fascinating to me to think that just, you know, a a few years ago, if we're honest, within human history, a few years ago, the thought of someone having a car in the garage and a TV in their home was a sign of someone being successful. And that's all they could ever want. Everything they needed was found because, uh, because of this testament to the fact that they had a car in the garage and a TV in their house. Well, the reality is many of us have multiple cars and many of us have multiple TVs and we look at our lives and we still don't have enough because what's happened is those that had enough, that one car and one TV, they actually, they don't just have multiple cars. They have multiple cars in multiple cities and they have TVs all over the place. They have, loca- they have homes in different places around the world. And so we look at them and we go, oh, now I want to get there and I want to have that. There used to be a day just a couple years ago when someone that was driving around in their car with a phone was someone that was just crazy. Like that, like how crazy do you have to be that you think you need to talk on the phone in your car? We would look at that person. We go, dude, come on, come on. You don't need a phone in your car. Just wait to get where you're going. But now we all have phones in our pockets. And that isn't even enough because this phone that we have in our pocket, there are million dollar versions of iPhones because just the iPhone isn't enough. We've got to go after more. And so this one's diamond encrusted with gold plating. And we think that that's not enough yet. And we're still waiting for the new iPhone to come out. This desire is insatiable. And Christianity's invitation is to stop trying. That we're... I believe capitalism begins to create this belief, this idea of scarcity, that you've got to go after what's yours and get what's yours because there's not enough out there. What we see within Christianity is that God actually created enough. There's enough to go around. And what we see the divine continually working is not scarcity, but actually generosity, abundance, and sacrifice, that there is enough to go around. And so we can stop trying. There's this idea within scripture of a Sabbath, this rhythm where we would stop and get off the escalator, stop playing that game at least one day a week where we just rest and we do nothing to create or to produce, but we simply do it for the sake. We, we do this Sabbath to remind ourselves of the fact that that's an escalator that never ends. So I need to understand my life within that context that we would be invited into the same generosity and sacrifice that we see from God, that there would be this invitation into what is present here and now, this present spirit and divine moment. And rather than going after more and more and more and more to see the beauty and significance of who and what is around us. So when it comes to this drive, yes, create, yes, make art, yes, go after new business ideas and concepts and thoughts, but it's never for the sake of more and more and more. It's for the sake of beauty. It's for the sake of generosity. It's for the sake of others. The third thing when it comes to capitalism was that competition is king. And I believe that what Christianity would speak to is that everyone has the same value. Some of the strongest language that we have when it comes to a church service or a church gathering is found by a guy named Paul in this letter to a church in Corinth. It's found in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 
And Paul says this to this church. He says, but in the following instructions, I do not commend you because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And in part, I believe that. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. Now, what what Paul is saying here, essentially, up to this point, is saying, first and foremost, your church services, they suck, bro. (laughs) Like, there's something really wrong and messed up. But then he goes on and he says, there's actually divisions among you. And he says, that's actually a good thing, because if people are showing up and being genuine and authentic, which is the goal, there's going to be disagreement, and that's okay. But there's something else happening here, he says. He says, when you come together, verse 20, it is not the Lord's Supper. It is not this Christ-centered idea that you're celebrating when you eat. He says, for in eating, each of you goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. There's a cultural context of what's happening here that we can understand within Roman cultures, when a group of people would gather together for a meal, there was a separate room where the owners of the home, where the rich, those who had a lot, they were invited into this separate room and they were served the meal first. And then there was like a courtyard where everybody else would be gathered. And once those that were served first, those, the rich, the upper class, once they had eaten their fill, the leftovers would be given to those within the courtyard. And so what Paul is speaking about is this cultural custom of everybody in the upper class eating first and then the leftovers are for everyone else. And Paul is saying, no, this should not exist. This cannot exist in a Christ-like community and space because everyone has the same value. Everyone's on the same level. So stop playing this game of ranking this gathering. That Christianity is about understanding that there is a value that has already been spoken about you. And whether you're upper class, middle class, lower class, whoever you are, all of us have the same inherent value. There is a love and an embrace spoken about you already. And that is the same love and embrace that's been spoken about me or anyone else on planet earth that we would come across. It's the same level. There are not varying levels of the love and embrace and value that God would speak to our lives that we all are to be found in that state and in that place. So Christianity is not about competition. It's not about finding a ranking, but it's about understanding the value that we all have and hold, and it's the same. So the question is this, where capitalism starts with you, and then you are able to turn and look to others when you feel like you're in the place that you want to be, Christianity seems to start with others first. And in that work, you find life and what you need. So what do you believe? To look at these different tenets of belief, they obviously have differences. So what do you believe? And we're going to explore this more over the next few weeks, but I just kind of want to land the plane today with this question of, okay, so if there is this difference of belief, that capitalism is this pretty strong thing within our culture, And if we were to choose to lean into a different kind of belief system for how the world works and who we are, like Christianity, what do we do? 
For some of us, the question is, well, do I try to burn it all down? <laughs> you know, just try to spend my, the rest of my life just coming against the man and trying to tear this, tear this thing down. Is that the goal that we should be doing if we have a different belief system? Or should we just give up? The capitalism is as strong as it's, ever, as it's ever been, and it's only getting stronger, this belief system. So why bother trying to tear it down? Just give up. Just ride the escalator. Enjoy it while we can. Or for some, and I think for many, honestly, do we just modify the teachings of Christ? In other words, capitalism is it, but we want to bring some language of Jesus to capitalism to make ourselves feel better, like we haven't completely abandoned Christ or the scriptures. What do we do? Well, for me, I find that there's this interesting moment in the Gospel of John. It's towards the end of the life of Christ, where Jesus is on trial before the government official of the day ruling that region. His name is Pilate. And Jesus is on trial, and Pilate has some questions for him about who he is, and is Jesus a king, and what is he up to? What's he actually trying to see happen with his teachings and his life? And Jesus has this response to Pilate, to who he is. He says this, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over, the, over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not from the world. Now, for some of you, you've probably heard that statement and concept before. My kingdom is not of this world. But here's what's happening with the statement of Jesus. What we know is happening historically in this moment is there's been so many different people that have tried to rise through the ranks of Judaism to overthrow Rome, to overthrow Caesar. They're known as zealots, people that have led riots in the streets trying to take out the Roman government. And Jesus does this subtle thing in communicating to Pilate by saying, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, you would have seen my servants out there fighting in the streets, just like you've seen. You would have seen people trying to burn it all down and overthrow the state and overthrow the government. But that's not what I'm up to. And what we see Jesus doing is something that's far more subtle and I think far more powerful when it comes to speaking this new and more beautiful way to interact with the world, people, and stuff. We see him engage community. We see him invite others to begin to practice these new beliefs and ideas together that there would be a space, that there would be relationships that practice where everyone has the same value, a space where you practice and understand and believe together that there is this insatiable desire, yes, but we're just not getting on that elevator. A space to practice giving our lives away first, that it's found within this. And the reason that this is so fascinating, I think, and powerful is because this is something that we see happen whether it's Caesar and Rome at the top, or whether that's Babylon within scripture, whether that's an English monarchy throughout history, that no matter who's at the top, no matter what the state or the government looks like and is representing, that there is this invitation to do something profound and powerful for your life and for those around you, whether that's President Trump, or whether that's President Obama. Whoever it is and whatever's happening on the state government level that you and I would be invited to find spaces and create and invite community around us to practice a more beautiful way. This is something that I think is so important because I know what it's like to live in a place of capitalism 
and to begin to think and to believe that this is all there is and it doesn't get any better than this. It's Stephen Curtis Chapman. It's Petra. It just doesn't get any better than this. But for me, to have a space in a community like CMYK, and whether that's a relationship I, I have around me or whether that's our Sunday gatherings, to find people around me that we can continue to wrestle with. Okay, I know what it's like to live out in this world of capitalism, but no matter who's in charge, no matter what's happening on the government state level, to lean into a more beautiful way. And what we see and what we know, what I believe throughout history is that it actually gets really, really messy when we as Christians or followers of Christ actually try to create our own state or our own government. Because Jesus, what did he say? That's not what I'm up to. That's not what I'm trying to do. There's something far more profound and beautiful here that you and I would find ourselves in these kinds of spaces and relationships wrestling through it. And so that's what this series is about, that we as a community would wrestle through Okay, capitalism is a belief system. Is it the most beautiful way? Is there something different or more beautiful potentially within the teachings of Christ? Let us wrestle through that and talk through that together, that we would find something that is so resonant and so beautiful and good. Now, I know for some of you, the question you might have at the end of this is, okay, great, Matt, but what do I do? <laughs> and I just have to say, that's why that we're talking about this over the next few weeks. And ultimately, the invitation is for you to personally and individually wrestle through this stuff, maybe more than me just telling you, do this, this, and this, and everything will be great. But that we would be, again, this community wrestling together through it. So I hope that you would continue to listen in. I hope that you would feel welcome to join into one of our Sunday gatherings if you want to be a part of that, or to just continue to hit that play button on this podcast. As always, I love you, uh, and if there's anything that we can be doing for you, please reach out, let us know. Hope to see you very, very soon.